genre. Welcome again to Cornetto Minute, the road to the world's end. The uh, the podcast where uh, Scott Corelli and I, Nick Jimenez, have uh, been slowly making our way towards our minute-by-minute minute review of the world's end mm-hmm. by revisiting, or not even revisiting, visiting for the first time the films that inspired Edgar Wright's 2013 science fiction action comedy drama, The World's End. Mm-hmm. Our, our own our own golden mile our own golden mile as it were yeah uh, and we've come to the end yeah we have this is uh this is the last of the inspirational movies yes um we still have one more of these hiatus specials to go but i don't right i don't think that movie inspired the world <laughs> in any way <laughs> or if or anything <laughs> true uh and we are uh, discussing of course 1987's with nil and i this was uh written and directed by Bruce Robinson uh, in 1987, based on uh, his own 20-something life in London in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, uh, a monumental cult hit yeah. in the UK and indeed abroad, yeah. uh, starring in their, uh, in their, in their feature-length debuts, Richard E. Grant and Paul McGann. Oh, I didn't know that about Richard E. Grant. Yeah, it was his first movie. Wow. He had done TV before that? He had done like a couple of TV gigs, okay. like small-time TV gigs. Wow. And this was his, his his debut onto the scene. And uh, Richard Griffiths. They were both stage guys, right? Yeah. All three of them are stage guys. Yeah, I think that's just how it works over there. Yeah, well, I mean, it just it makes sense, too, about like their performances in this right. and the way that the film is done. Like, I can, you could take this movie and, and just wholesale throw the whole thing on stage mm. and it's uh nothing it's, is ruined in the process for I don't sure think. yeah yeah uh, uh and this you know yeah it's weird you saying that this kind of has this reminds you a lot of like clerks in a way yeah where it is a mood piece yeah and it is such a slice of life and like a memory yeah and you know you could argue that its production values aren't very high i i i, I think it was a well-made movie i don't think i don't think a movie like this works if there isn't some sort of I wouldn't say that it didn't have high production values. I like I don't think that that should be a criticism of the movie. I think it has I think that the director wrote a movie very much within the budget that he had. Yeah. You know, uh uh, uh the ability to get and I think that this movie uses its budget perfectly because Definitely. like it feels real. It's not like it. It, ne- it doesn't never. It never feels like, like oh, it wouldn't be like this. It would be. It would actually look more expensive than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks great. Like the their their apartment. Okay, so yeah. so before we uh, so this is a black buddy comedy mm-hmm. about uh, two London actors in 1969 uh-huh. out of work. Living in squalor. I would say dark buddy comedy. I feel like black buddy comedy. Like I think of like ride along. <laughs> <laughs> Two black buddies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. It's weird because black comedy is definitely a thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's it's isn't the funny what words. I feel do. like I feel like that that terminology has um, black changed. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like dark comedy now. Mm-hmm. I think 
Sure. Like, like Death would, to Smoochie is like a dark comedy. Right. You wouldn't say a black comedy. Yeah. Death at a funeral. Yeah. That's like a dark comedy. Yeah. I don't know that black comedy is a thing that's used a lot because I think it is a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh you, you mean like the preacher's wife you know uh, yeah, right the preacher's wife you know that comedy that, the hilarious movie the preacher's wife <laughs> <laughs> are uh, you talking about Medea or are you talking about with Mel and I <laughs> so uh, so with, uh, Richard E Grant plays the titular with Nail yep uh, uh, Paul McGann plays, plays and I I and I uh, although in the film in the making of the uh the 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 Bruce Robinson and the actors refer to him as Marwood. Marwood, yeah. His, uh, his unnamed. Apparently there's like a, a shot where you can see a bill or a letter right. with like Marwood written on it. Yeah. Uh there's also a technical goof where uh when they're at Richard Griffith's house for the first time, Uncle Monty. Yeah. And he's like, Oh it sounds like he says, Oh, Peter's got an audition. Uh-huh. But the script is like, Oh, he's got an audition. Oh. So like in the because it's a big cult movie, a lot of people oh. believe that his name was Peter. Oh. But uh, I, I assume Marwood, Marwood, or maybe it's Peter Marwood, Peter Marwood. Yeah, that's a solid name. That's a that's a solid name. Yeah. That sounds like somebody who's about to be famous. Yeah, and so so they're uh, they're living in squalor. Mm-hmm. They're like nothing's ever going to happen to us. They're afraid of the sink. They're afraid of the sink. Their their department is disgusting. Yeah, they retreat to the country to they steal Uncle Monty's key, mm-hmm. and then they go to live in his cabin for a few days. And uh, none of it works out. They don't actually steal it. That's just what Withnell tells him. Got it. Because what he actually did was oh, to- told him that yeah. <laughs> yeah, told him that he was that he, that was, he was gay, gay and, and and may or may not have uh, been into Uncle Monty. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the legacy of this movie is large. It's inspired everything from Shane Black's The Nice Guys, James Ponsoldt's The End of the Tour, Mark Duplass's Jeff Who Lives at Home. Uh, to even Pineapple Express and Alexander Payne Sideways, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, and 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 of course the World's End. And I have to admit, uh, I think maybe out of everything we've watched, with the exception of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I think this was like the most like, oh, I can literally see World's End coming out of this. Yeah, this feels like the part of those characters' lives that we didn't see, which is right. their twenties after the Golden Mile. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, we never actually saw all of their relationships fall apart and everyone grow apart. And, yeah, and yeah. All of that. We never saw that moment. We just it had already happened mm-hmm. by the time we we meet them in the movie. Um, so like, yeah, that's what this feels like. Mm-hmm. Is it's like the weekend that was so bad that it was the last straw for uh for for Andy Knightley. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you look at Richard E. Grant's with the now. last straw of Andy Knightley. The last straw of Andy Knightley. <laughs> what a great yeah, what a great uh, prequel that would be. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you can literally look at at, at Richard E. Grant's with Nail and see a direct line between him and Gary King. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I think the 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 costumes are even yeah uh, reminiscent of each other. I mean, I think I think the only thing that he did was basically update. Like, well, who would this guy be in 1990? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, he would look like this. He would be wearing the DMs. It's weird how he's got he's got Paul McGann's leather jacket. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Who? Gary? Yeah. Gary doesn't have a leather jacket. He doesn't have a leather jacket? No. What does he wear? He has like a black trench coat. Oh, he's always a leather. Like, yeah, you're, like, you're, you're right. It's a black trench coat. Yeah, it's a black trench coat. Just, I mean, that's always, that's always confusing because you always associate that goth trench coat look mm-hmm. with the matrix and in the matrix they have mm-hmm. leather trench coats it's like a duster right yeah it's a leather duster but also like that's that's a movie where they have a 
a, a large budget and yeah, can get Gary, whatever yeah, costumes they want. Yeah, Gary King couldn't afford it. Um, but yeah, no, he just has a he has like a like a hot topic kind of like, like a oh, duster, duster, like a black duster. Got it. Like cloth black duster. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, with like the big the big collar, you know, if you put the collar mm-hmm. up, it's like, which he does. Yeah. So so yeah um yeah so he doesn't they look comfy the whole movie no leather in this yeah it looked like they were i don't know they look warm they look like they had like big jackets the whole time yeah they're on the way so <laughs> what uh what were your what were your thoughts on this by and large um i i mean i really like this movie i i think that it's uh it's entertaining but like as the documentary we watch after it and if you have the criterion channel like you can watch the movie and there's like a little documentary that goes along with it. Um, but uh, as the documentary points out, it's not really about anything. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel like it's about anything more than like, what is the final straw where you finally get your act together? Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like that's the story of this is like, when, what is the moment that you realize that this person that you've been spending your life with as like a friend is actually the thing that's holding you back? Yeah, like that. I mean, I can I can definitely see that here, mm-hmm. but that's such a like tiny, tenuous grasp of a of a plot, and the rest of it is just like let's see these characters like in this weird situation yeah. where yeah. they're just gonna. It honestly reminded me a lot of your like early scripts. Oh, thank you. Yeah, where where like you that was your thing was like you would write like you would come up with two great characters, and then you would be like. Okay, and then they're getting into all of this, and then I'd be like, "Nick, this isn't about anything." I loved reading it, but it isn't about anything. And yeah. you're like, "Yeah, I guess yeah. it's not." <laughs> and what with Nolan and I shows is that sometimes you don't need a plot, right? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it is enough to just be a mood, and yeah. to what 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 I what but, I but that thing, but that with that, it, yeah. you you kind of have to wonder like. I mean, that's 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 how you get writer directors, right? It's right, like yeah. it's like no one else can read the script this isn't about anything. like actors can read it and be like oh i love these characters yeah yeah but like it would be very difficult to like give this script to a different director and right. be like make this and we're like make why, what why? what is this yeah why is this interesting it's because man when i was 23 this happened to me dude right uh what i what my biggest takeaway with this movie is i don't know it so perfectly captures that depression that aimlessness of your 20s and I mean like that I, I'm very fortunate that that has never been my sink but I have definitely seen that sink in my real life oh yeah you know yeah. like I've been in those apartments yeah I've, I'm not gonna say I'm a clean dude you know I I, I, I you know I, I had dirty years as well I think I'm getting better but like I don't know and then when you get to the end of it what kind of struck me was how it doesn't seem to me like I Marwood it's like it's like uh, this thing happens when you kind of start growing up and you reach the end of your 20s where you just get handed something or just all of a sudden you're like oh is it is it over is my life starting yeah oh it's you you know you turn around and you're like oh that part that part's already over yeah it's already done oh, okay b- bye with nail I'll, I'll never forget you and was <laughs> like fuck you you fucking asshole yeah and you're just like oh is it never gonna happen for him and then you know nostalgia to, to you know gary king is convinced that his life never got better than the golden mile night. Right. You know, and I think it's very human to look back on your twenties or your youth yeah, and be like, Oh God, I want that back so bad. I just want to be young again. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, God, I'm, my life's already over. I'm 30 something. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But then you look at with Nell and I, and you're like, Oh, what am I? 
um, that part of my life was actually pretty scary and aimless yeah. and selfish and I wasn't really doing anything and I'm actually kind of glad that it's over. Yeah. And watching the even the the With Nil and Us documentary and you're looking at Richard E. Grant and Paul McGann now in like their late thirties, early forties or whenever that documentary was made, and they look objectively better. Yeah. <laughs> and and happier. Yeah. And it, it was I don't know, it was, it was such a, a weird about face where I was watching this movie kind of wistful. Like I remember when my life was like that. Oh, <laughs> it's over. Oh man, now I have to grow up. And then it, it and then at the end I'm like, oh wait, like I actually think I'm much better now. Right. I'm actually kind of happy that I'm I'm now it's that's in my rear view yeah so it was interesting it was an interesting watch yeah i i i it it really like their apartments skeeved me out sure actually a lot of a lot of like just their living situations and this skeeved me out yeah um just just in general for like the sake of um like just being comfortable in that space yeah and like they were never comfortable mm-hmm. they just like kind of put up with it because <laughs> What are we gonna do? Clean? Yeah, right. And it was it 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 was just like oh man, like I you know I've I've definitely like you said I've definitely been to people's houses that were like that. Yeah, the the empty wine bottles everywhere. Yeah, the uh, the sink that you're afraid to dive into. Right. The uh, and it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Remember when they're like eating just piles? Maybe this is an English thing, but when they like come back with like the food in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And there's like bunches of meat and sausage, and he like stuffs the newspaper in the toilet. Yeah. I was like, God, you know, uh-huh. and then when they and then like it, it it's like 20 somethings have this ability because then they go to the cabin. They, they they find Uncle Monty's cabin and then they just turn that into a shithole. Yeah. Like, like instantly. <laughs> they're just immediately like with like the chicken and the. Yeah. And like there is that kind of feeling of like uh, when like two young men are like that are that are, you know, in this from the city, you know, are suddenly in the country and they have no idea how to take care of themselves. Yeah. And they're wearing like you know like plastic around their feet instead of boots because they didn't bring the right kind of boots uh-huh. and like they're shotgunning the fish and the you know what i mean yeah because he doesn't know how to catch a fish otherwise yeah, yeah i kept forgetting that it was a period piece technically yeah that was that that freaked me out when that came up i was like why is this a period piece like, yeah what about this needs to be in 69 like i feel like it's yeah there's like some needle drops i guess but and then there's like some bits at the end where the druggy guy that reminded me of tires from spaced. Yeah. I think it was Jake uh, is like, we've reached the end of the decade. It is Jake. We've come to the end of the decade, the greatest decade in earth and in mankind known to history. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, but do people think that about the sixties as it was ending? Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, like we, you know, you read Joan Diddy and you watch once upon a time in Hollywood and you're like, Oh America, we had a Camelot and it all went away. People are really obsessed with 69 for some reason. Like, 1969 yeah it's seen as the end of an era and the beginning of i guess the descent yeah i guess yeah but then it's like i don't know depending on who you were the 60s kind of sucked i mean a lot of bad stuff happened in the 60s yeah a lot lot of of bad stuff happened every decade yeah 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 it's it's uh, and i think that gets to the heart of of what's so and you know nostalgia as a parasite Mm -hmm. nostalgia is this 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 bug that's inside gary king's head telling him not to appreciate the present yeah your life's already over. You're too old. You're done. You're washed up. The world's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Right. And you're like suckling at the teat of the past, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I don't think the characters in Within and I are going through that so much as Gary King. No, I, it, it seems like uh, Richard E. Grant is more just disappointed. Like Withnail is just disappointed with like frustrated yeah. 
with the fact that like his life hasn't even started <laughs> yeah. you know yeah he's gonna be 30 in a month and i'm like I haven't done anything i haven't played the dane i haven't i'm not a famous actor yet my family doesn't believe in me mm-hmm. it's happening to my friend apparently mm-hmm. but it's not gonna happen to me that bitterness right yeah yeah but like they said in the documentary you know it's like yeah he says like oh i i'm i I'm a, I'm a, I could be a great actor. I could do better than this person or do better than that person. But the problem is he doesn't do anything. Yeah. So yeah. like you can't be better than anyone if you're not doing anything. Right. Yeah. 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 He, he, he flips through the newspaper and he's like just, just shitting on everybody. But yeah. Like he's, he just drinks. He, he drinks lighter fluid. Right. Out of desperation. Right. Yikes. Yeah. He, he's not sure if his agent's dead. Right. I'm surprised he has an agent. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you just get one after uni. Maybe yeah. after acting school. Here's your agent. Yeah, and then they were like hoarding their checks. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the Jake, like he he he'd been collecting like the the yeah, they had like an eviction notice they didn't know about. Right. But also like all of their all of their checks, like money. Oh, right. Yeah. They were like this whole time they were waiting on money from like gigs that they had had mm-hmm. and they hadn't gotten paid yet, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so they were just waiting on these checks and, and he had them the whole time. Yeah, there's uh, so many moments of this that are great. You know, it it is kind of just like a, a patchwork of moments, kind of similar to Clerks or yeah or Slacker, where it's like like the guy that shoves an eel down his pants, right? Um, <laughs> like the fact that he pulls the eel out and it's alive, and he just whacks it on the table and puts it back, and then they're just like yeah. with nails, like like this is, this seems like a guy who knows what's up. Can we buy one of those? <laughs> no. Come on, man. Oh, man. But yeah, I, I really could. I could see a lot of space in this. I could see a lot of World's End, Shaun of the Dead. You really you really could see the influence that this has had. I think my one regret is that, I mean, I, I imagine this is what it would be like if I watched Clerks for the first time today. Uh-huh. You know? Like, I'm like, oh, I bet this would have rocked my fucking world when I was like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, this is a really good movie, but like- yeah, you don't like connect to it in the same way. Mm, like maybe, yeah. like maybe if I watched Scott Pilgrim today instead of when I was a senior in high school, right. it wouldn't hit me quite the same way. Right? Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like, okay. So, uh, Richard E. Grant as with Nail is, uh, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Paul McGann is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul McGann is mostly reacting to things. Though. I got a lot of Simon Pegg in other stuff in Paul McGann. Yes, that kind of crazed parent, like and like something bad's going to happen. Something's going to hurt me. Yeah, like uh, like like uh, Benji. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, definitely a lot of that. And then Richard E. Grant's like with Nail is like this. I don't know. Like it's a crazy performance. Yeah. And some of the best drunk acting I've seen from a sober person yeah, from a teetotaler. That yeah. was crazy. That was nuts. Yeah. Just the, the sadness in his eyes, just the, 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 the sunkenness, you know, the like, you know, and I've known guys like that, unfortunately, <laughs> that just kind of like, God, just these black holes, <laughs> black and, hole with a hint of sadness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, I'm grateful that it exists for sure. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. I feel like it is kind of like finding a lost album. We're like, oh, this is why that there's a Talking Heads. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is where all my favorite bands came from. Right. Um, um, uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Monty. Monty. 
that whole situation was uh, very funny, but uh, went into uh, areas that I was like, sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of it kind of uh, it's the part that's aged the most. Yeah. Of like the gay panic. Yeah. The like, oh, the gay guy wants to fuck you. Isn't that scary? Yeah. And it's and it's like he's where he like comes in the middle of the night wearing makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's. Like like we're with like eyeshadow mm-hmm. and, and blush and stuff and and lipstick and then he's like he's like says he's gonna he'll he'll uh, I'll take take, take you by burglary yeah, or even what if it's burglary even if it's burglary yeah and I, it's like yeah totally like a gay panic mm-hmm. it's um, it's the most where I was like oh this was still written by a young man in the eighties yeah that was like ah uh, isn't this funny the idea that <laughs> this could happen yeah aren't gay people weird and scary and foreign <laughs> God. Yeah, that's that's the yeah, that was the roughest part for sure. Um but then it was also like the way that they dealt with the situation, mm-hmm. I was like I was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Like I don't like the way that you're presenting this guy. Yeah. But also it wasn't like they never dropped like the F word. Yeah, yeah. You it, know? it was more like Paul McGann's fear was more out of like, I don't want to have sex with you, yeah. Uncle Monty. <laughs> right. And in yeah. him explaining, like, I can't because I've been with him for six years. And we're the one night that we're not together, like, I'm going to have sex with you. No, I can't do that. I can't do that to him. Yeah. And yeah, Uncle yeah. Monty is like, I wish I had a relationship <laughs> like the two of you. And he's like, yeah, OK, I got to go now. I could never come between that. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's, I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. that, that it could have ended worse. Yeah, definitely. Did. Definitely. Um, so at least uh, at least there's that, I guess. And Richard Griffith was great. Yeah, he is good. He was good in this. Um, uh, uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah, he passed away. Yeah, he did. Okay, recently. I thought so. Yeah, Uncle Uncle Vernon. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because he kind of looks. This is 1987. Yeah, and then you drop drop into 2001. Yeah, with Sorcerer Stone, and he, he hasn't really aged. No, and there there were scenes early on where he was dealing with his uh, his asshole of a cat. <laughs> Yeah, that also uh, looked kind of looked like him. Yeah, and and he was like, you know, be acting exasperated and like sitting on the couch and being <laughs> upset. And I was like, oh, it's Uncle Vernon. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> it's just like kind of cartoony, you know. How crazy is it that McGann and Grant were never in Harry Potter? That is kind of crazy, actually. Yeah. Um, Paul McGann uh, would have been good for like Harry's father. Sure. Yeah. In like you know flashback scenes mm, or, or whatever. Snape. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, you can't get better than Grant. Grant would have been a good Snape. Yeah, Richard Grant would have been great, or Voldemort, or Voldemort. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Um, I don't know. I like who we got. Oh yeah, I mean, it's hard to. Yeah, I can't think of anybody that I would be like. Mm. Yeah, there really isn't like a miscast in that whole yeah. franchise. Which the o- yeah, the only thing, the only one that is a miscast was like maybe maybe we shouldn't have cast uh uh uh. Richard what? Harris. Richard Harris. Yeah, that's that's the only unfortunate thing. No, no. Yeah, because as much as I like Richard Harris in those two movies, he was so old. It's like, I mean, I don't know. You gotta. <laughs> yeah, like, can you imagine can, that dude, like that that Dumbledore making it all the way to Deathly Hollows? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hello, Harry. It's crazy. Welcome to King's Day. Oh. Or like, or like, believably, like being in a fight with Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have come here, Tom. Yeah. Oh man, yikes! <laughs> yikes! That poor man. Oh, oh god. Oh, um, 
Yeah, Dumbledore's the only one that I, I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, you, I, I wish we'd have gotten like some other third actor that had just done it the whole time, but yeah. I'm not sure who. Oh, you're not a Gambit fan? No. Gambino? No. You know why I don't like him? Because you can watch, it's either the fourth or fifth one where J.K. Rowling came out and said that Dumbledore was gay, Mm -hmm. and you can see a visible shift in his performance. Oh, really? And I'm like, buddy, yeah, he becomes a little more flamboyant. In the ah. way he does things and moves his hands and mm-hmm. yeah, and it's and it's like distracting. Like I remember watching them in a row, like a couple years ago, yeah. and I noticed like a, a change where he would like do this a lot mm-hmm. and like <laughs> like like kind of like you know he had like a like a flappy wrist you mm-hmm. know a lot. And I was like, what's up with that? And then I looked up when that announcement happened. I was like, oh, between um, these two movies, okay, right. cool, um, great, great acting choice, Camby. <laughs> God forbid you keep you just keep the character consistent. No, I shan't. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who would have played a, who would have been a better Dumbledore. I'm not sure um, who a older character actor would have been. Yeah. Tom Baker. Tom Baker. <laughs> just scaring the shit out of the kids. I mean, that would have been dope. <laughs> yeah. to go to these kids with the nose, like the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I guess. <laughs> Socks. Oh, Tom Baker still um, with us, still with us, despite everything. In defiance of God's will, <laughs> tethered to this mortal mortal coil. Wow, that's incredible. Um, also, any scene with Tom Baker and uh, uh, McGonagall would have been. Oh, yeah. Would have been aces. That would have been great. That would have been some good stuff. Uh, we couldn't stop thinking about the Doctor Who connections. Yeah. Yeah. We had three eighth doctors. Uh, yeah. In one scene. Yeah. That was that was crazy. Like um, Richard. Uh, Richard E. Grant. No. Yeah. Richard E. Grant was the eighth doctor in Scream of the Shalka. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Paul McGann is the eighth doctor canonically. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if the show had not been canceled um, the- about when the se- at the end of the seventh doctor's era, they were. The producers were planning on casting um, Richard Griffiths. Richard Griffiths. I would have. Uh, I would have been down. We've never gotten like a Santa doctor, like a plump doctor. Yeah, closest we got was six, mm-hmm. and they constantly like fat shamed him. I'm not fat. Yeah, you haven't gotten to the episode where uh, he's forced to uh, drink only carrot juice and uh, and uh, be on a on a stationary bicycle on the TARDIS. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yo, yeah. They they just weren't. The, wow, six is just such a weird time. Uh huh. Yeah. While his companion is like, "You can do it, Doctor. Shut up. <laughs> all you have, all you feed me is carrot juice. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait. Is this still Perry? I don't think so. I think it's the other one. She finally escapes. I think it's the uh, the redhead with the fl- the fluffy red hair that oh. was um the seventh Doctor's companion at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forget her name. Off the top of my Mel. head. Mel. Mel. Yes, you got it. Nailed it. Yeah, it's Mel. It's all coming together. Yeah. So yeah, with Mel and I. Great movie. Yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun watching this one. I'm uh I'm excited to get to the world's end now, that's for sure. Like, yeah. We we, re- we reached the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up is uh 2011's Paul. Paul. Directed by Greg Matola, written by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost mm-hmm. and Kristen Wiig. And Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen as an alien man. Mm-hmm. And Joe Latrulio and Bill Hader. Oh, I forgot Joe was in that. Yeah. And Bill Hader. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
It's got a great cast. I'm excited to rewatch it, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah, I think it is a fun movie. I think the problem is that it pales in comparison to, to three all of the best comedies of the last <laughs> 10 years. Right. And so and so everyone is like, "Oh no, this is like Edgar Wright's worst movie." <laughs> it's like, "Guys, come on." Uh, he was making Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you for joining us on this uh, Golden Mile tour. And uh, we'll be we'll be at our uh, our uh, our final uh, our final stop next month with Paul, and then back in March with the Cornetto Minute. Yeah, the Cornetto Minute and the World's End. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.